Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome in to Scoops with Danny Mac on a Tuesday here in St. Louis on 101 ESPN. Colin Surrey, our producer today. Movement on Major League Baseball. This could be a big day that leads into a couple of huge weeks that will give us clarity as to if and when we will have baseball this season. We will dive into that big time momentarily. Time check. 10.05 in St. Louis, presented by Clarkson Jewelers. So we're not only waiting for professional sports to return, but we're also waiting for the return of youth sports for the most part. And summer right around the corner, you got camps, you got soccer, you got baseball, you got volleyball, you got basketball. And there has been a little, little, Little League Baseball, but everything else has been shut down. So if you didn't see this one, one of the biggest soccer stars to come from our area is returning to St. Louis to take over the Gallagher Academy, and that's Brad Davis. He played at Chaminade High School, then off to St. Louis University, played for the national team and international competition, the World Cup. One of the best players to come out of St. Louis. Number three overall pick in the early uh, 2000s in MLS. Gallagher has a ton of kids in their program. We'll talk about where youth soccer is at right now. The fact that MLS is coming to St. Louis. And how the men's national team can compete at the highest level. Meaning qualifying for a World Cup. Brad Davis will be my guest. All right. We start with baseball. And Colin, now it gets serious, doesn't it? This is a huge day. It's absolutely massive. This is one of the things that we've been waiting for for quite some time, and now it's finally starting to get set in motion, and some big decisions are really, really heading in on the outset here. Yeah, so now we have movement. The owners have agreed upon a proposal to give the players today, later today, maybe tomorrow, whatever the case may be. But here are some of the major points of this proposal, and this is what we're talking about on the field. 82-game season. 14 teams instead of 10 making it to postseason play. So seven teams essentially per league using home cities and their stadiums. So as Randy mentioned earlier on the crossover, guys will be able to stay uh, in their their home cities and, and with their families, which is obviously something that's very important to them. Universal DH, we've talked about that, the designated hitter coming in, both leagues. Geographical schedules, for example, the NL Central against the AL Central. A 30-man roster with upward of 50 players on a roster. So what that would mean is that you got 50 guys presumably available for rosters and those moves throughout the season, and you've got a taxi squad. So that would allow you to bring up some of your younger players that are missing out on a minor league season. They're working out with the guys, and then eventually maybe get called up to the major leagues. So the number one question players will have is about their safety and testing, and that's understood. Can they be in an environment... That's safe to play in. And I think it's going to be fascinating, Colin, to see what players want to do with this. Do they want to participate in this? I would assume that there would be some that just don't want to do it. And that's fine. That's their right. If that's a, if they don't want to play, that's okay. No one's holding a gun to their head. It's I, up to you. I find it really interesting that there's been a lot of talk. You know, everyone is going to be so mad at the players if they don't accept this deal that's been put out on the table by the owners. Well, there are a lot of individual players that 
they have said exactly what you just said. They really are worried about the medical part of this much more than the financial part. I mean, I can't really think of a whole ton of players individually that have expressed their financial concerns, but nearly all of them have a concern with how the logistics of trying to stay safe from the coronavirus are going to be. Yeah, I want to hear that today. I want to hear how they lay out that plan. And you can understand that players don't want to be potentially exposed to this type of environment. I get it. However, there's going to be some that say, let's go. Let's play baseball. Some players saying, I haven't made generational type money. I need more years in the league. I need to stay sharp. That's something you have to think about in a shortened season. I want a chance to make that money. I want to play. How the players react to the proposal will be fascinating in the next 24 to 48 hours. Now, the other big sticking point, and let's just be honest. Let's just be honest about this. If history in baseball or in sports has taught us anything... There's a financial aspect of all of us. Owners want financial rollbacks. The players are saying no. Union head Tony Clark has said that asking the players to take a cut isn't going to happen. He said that's a non-starter. He said, quote, the league is trying to take advantage of a global health crisis to get what they failed to achieve in the past, end quote. So on the surface, that's concerning because this is just step one. And they're saying we may not even look at the deal because it's a non-starter they don't want a cap and apparently they don't want 50 50 revenue to share so to an extent i do understand where he's coming from but these are unique times these are times that have seen unemployment skyrocket the playing field has changed from where we were two months ago like i said with randy and michelle two months ago we're we're getting ready for a season everything's fine everything's quote unquote normal not anymore now i'm gonna look at it as this is just day one of negotiating. If you remember, when they initially worked out a deal for this season, took about two weeks to get done, but there was give and take. They got it done. So having said that, if a player feels comfortable with the testing, he feels there's a safe enough environment to play, and he doesn't do it because of the money dispute, that's where this gets bad. And I mean really bad. Again, the negotiating, taking a positive look at it. It's just starting. That's an aspect of this you have to remember. The court of public opinion, though, won't be kind if this isn't worked out because of money, period. NBA held a conference call with their players. Adam Silver, the NBA commission sta- uh, uh, commissioner, stated that he felt that they have some time on their side in trying to get a season done. He did stress, though, the importance of fans in the stands and how important that is for business. What that means collectively to the financial pie. ESPN insider Adrian Wojciechowski. That fans... Uh, they generate about 40% of the league's revenue and that the players and the owners are going to have to sit down here and uh, the, the collective bargaining the collective bargaining agreement as Silver said on that call it was not built to withstand or endure a pandemic and when the revenue is down the players salaries are going to go down and, and that's uh, a negotiation uh, some collective bargaining that the two sides are going to have to work out here over the next several months because they've got to go through things like sa- how it's going to impact the salary cap and luxury tax and how they want, uh, how those things are going to shape those important issues around the league. But he made it clear to the players, you're going to make less money. Yeah, and in baseball, that's how this becomes a huge sticking point as well. That's where you do have those uncomfortable conversations, which will probably start today with the players. Without fans in the stands, that's a loss of 35, Colin, 35 to 40% in an industry that collected over $10 billion a year ago. So just do the math. 
Without fans, there's way less coming in. Buster Olney was asked which team has been hit the hardest during this pandemic. Watch the Chicago Cubs. What you're hearing is they are having a financial crunch because ownership bought a lot of the land around Wrigley Field. Uh, they are hoping, of course, that people would go and use uh, some of the facilities they have there. They haven't been having income, uh, it, of course, in recent weeks like other teams. But they have a number of veterans on that team nearing uh, contract crossroads. For example, Chris Bryant, the third baseman. Other teams heard he was available during the course of the winter. If, in fact, the Cubs wind up having to move some money, then Chris Bryant would be one candidate. And I do think whenever the rosters are unfrozen, it could be like 930 on the stock hmm. market where suddenly you see teams looking to dump debt as soon as they possibly can in light of the financial losses. I hadn't even thought of that. I just thought, here, here's your roster. There's no trade deadline, and, you know, we're not doing anything with our players, and we're moving forward. But hearing that, you can imagine the sense of urgency to get baseball back on the field, to get fans in the stands. The Cardinals have done an amazing job uh, with Ballpark Village, but that shut down. The Braves have built, when I'm down in, in Georgia and I go to the Braves' new ballpark, all around that is infrastructure and, and buildings and different things and restaurants and hotels that they built up around the ballpark. And Buster just mentioned the Cubs and the crunch that has hit them with no fans coming to Wrigley. So that is another aspect of this that is beyond just putting fannies in the seats. Now, Sean Doolittle, Major League pitcher, went on Twitter yesterday, brought up some interesting points. If, if the health and safety of the players is truly why they would not come back. He said on Twitter, quote, bear with me, but it feels like we've zoomed past the most important aspect of any MLB restart plan, health protections for players, family, staff, stadium workers, and the workforce it would require to resume a season. And then he went on and, and did uh, multiple health questions on Twitter that the players will be facing if and when they come back. It was really interesting. So if rosters are at 50, that means potentially testing for 1,500 players. Does it include the coaching staff, medical staff, support staff, media? You get the idea. Daunting task. Edwin Verk of MLD Network was a guest this morning with Randy and Michelle. It's interesting, Michelle. I used to always think that people are generally more player-friendly. I think, generally speaking, you say, well, hang on a second. He's the guy playing the game. He's the one who deserves it. But it's strange. When I talk to most fans, it's, it's weird. It's because I think they see the players, and because they feel connected to them and they see the money more, they actually go anti-player more, right? Because they have, like, fantasy teams. They go, I can't believe that Bob made $8 million. He cost my fans, et cetera, et cetera. He's not worth it, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you're a Tigers fan, you go, God, Miguel Cabrera used to be great, but I can't believe we owe him this much money over this many years. It's weird because you don't see the owner's pockets, right? You don't see exactly how much the Lerner family makes. And you don't see all the money the Steinbrenners make. You don't see... You don't hear those numbers. You don't say, okay, this year the Yankees generated X amount of money. But with the players, you always know. And especially in the case when a guy's struggling, like Chris Davis, the Orioles, everyone breaks it down. So it's like, you know, he's getting $54,000 per strikeout. And then you just embarrass the guy. So I actually think if it didn't come together, Michelle, I think people would be more mad at the players. They'd say, you know what? You guys make so much money. I get the fact that this year you're not going to make as much money as normally you would. But guess what? Unemployment's at 15%. You know, I can't pay my mortgage. I can't run my small business, for God's sakes. All you're being asked to do is play baseball and your social distancing, generally speaking, within the sport. Like, seriously, you guys can't come back for this? I think people would be really angry at the players. That's just my feeling on it. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think most people are, are at this point with the players. But we'll, we'll see what comes out today. Now, I, I really can see it, though, Colin, from both sides. I really can. 
I mean, I'm on the fence on both of this. I, I see which way it's going on both sides, and both make very valid points. Well, much like all of us personally have been affected by this, if you have been laid off of work, God forbid, or any kind of tough decision like that, you can still see the perspective of that owner of the business. I mean, everyone's going through tough times. No one is unaffected by this, and that's something that we need to keep in mind. It's easy to go down the rabbit hole of looking at this from one perspective, from another, but really when you step back and you look at the big picture, you have to realize that everyone needs to sacrifice in this in this kind of moment. So the players, they're taking the risk. There will be some not comfortable playing. That's their right. However, to uh, Virk's point, now more than ever, we want a distraction. I mean, we, we want sports. We're seeing nightly coverage of those on the front lines, and you'll have many saying what Advin did. You're being asked to play a game and work when many Americans can't find work. They don't want to hear about the bickering, though, of money. I can tell you that. Not a chance. Not in these times. Buster only sums it up pretty easily. I think the owners probably have to give up more than they want to in terms of, of a revenue split. Uh, and I think the players have to come off the idea that they're going to get the same salary that the salaries for this year than they would have because clearly the financial dynamic has changed on the ownership side. There has to be give on both sides, and there has to be a, a fight to get to the most fair possible position as opposed to winning the negotiation. If either side is intent on winning negotiation, they will both lose. Pretty much sums it up. What are your thoughts? Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Love to get your thoughts. 65780. Send me a Rhino Shield mic drop. I'll get to those in the third segment. Youth sports and one of the greatest soccer players to come from our area. Brad Davis is next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. St. Louis Scott Gallagher announced that former U.S. men's national team player and an MLS all-star St. Louis native Brad Davis is the new club director, and he will lead the Missouri Boys program as well as uh, St. Louis uh, FC Academy. Played locally at Chaminade, then at St. Louis University, third overall pick in 2002 in the MLS draft. And Brad, I guess it's uh, coming full circle for you. You know, you, you played in the program. Now you lead the program. Congratulations. Got to be exciting for you. No, it is. First of all, Dan, uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, it is. This is uh, a really exciting time for, um, you know, me personally and uh, for my family. And uh, I look forward to uh, getting back into uh, a club that uh, basically gave me the foundation to go on and have the career that I did. So um, to be able to to kind of look back on on everything as my career's now come to an end and I've moved on to the next phase uh, um in my in my life uh being able to kind of reminisce um on everything um like i said is uh pretty surreal and uh, now to have the opportunity to come back uh home to uh st louis um and be a part of uh st louis scott gallagher and uh the tremendous uh tradition and history that it has with the staff that it has uh um again it's a extremely exciting it's going to be a great uh, great opportunity um a great fit and you know we look uh, we look forward to getting there and, and getting our our heels dug in yeah you, you played for the gallagher program it's well known here in st louis really nationally and now you're the head of that. What does that mean to you? I mean, back when you're a little guy, you're not thinking about this, but now you're running the program. What does that mean to you? 
No, I, honestly, it's uh, like I said, it's it's a little bit surreal. I don't think it's all kind of hit home yet. I mean, uh, I've had uh, buddies and friends, obviously, that uh, I grew up with uh, in in the Gallagher system that are still in coaching now um, in in different roles and kind of just reminiscing on it and going through um, different pictures of stuff when you know we're 10, 11, 12 years old uh, in the in the Gallagher uniforms playing at the soccer park and all that. So this club. Um, is uh, it's in my blood, it's in my DNA, um, it's in my family's DNA, and uh, uh, like I said, to be able to get this opportunity to uh, to come back and try and impact and give uh, the experiences to the next generation that I was uh, fortunate um, enough to have um, is it, it's it's going to be great. There's going to be challenges um, that lie ahead, but we're going to hit them hit them face on and uh, uh, and continue to push this program forward. You know, you mentioned the name Brad Davis in St. Louis, legendary in soccer. So what what do you try to do with that name value? And then you as the head of the club, what are you trying to do and, and take Gallagher to the next, uh, you know, the next, I, I guess, uh, step that you can take it with uh, trying to develop kids for the national team and maybe even an MLS team? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's really about getting in there. Um, and getting down into the weeds, you know, with the staff, what a tremendous staff, what a tremendous structure and foundation um, uh, is a, that has already been uh, laid out there for, for, for so many years. So really it's getting in, get in the weeds with the staff, uh, you know, really trying to, to find out uh, positives. Um, I don't like saying negatives, but I like uh, to say, you know, looking for places where we can, we can be better, where we can grow. Um and be stronger. Um, but until, uh, that happens, you know, I'm just uh, kind of working remotely having conversations right now, but it's really about getting in there, looking at the structures. How can we uh, continue to challenge each other? How can we continue to push each other to be better on personal and professional levels? Um, you know, really, uh, hit hard on, on the, on the culture, um, and being collaborative. Uh, everybody needs to be open, open-minded, ready for, um, you know, uh, new ideas, uh, ready to collaborate, ready to work. Um, and, and see what we can what we can do. There's always there's always opportunity to get better, and that's what we're going to try and uh, continue to to do. Like I said, we're going to be respectful about it, but we're going to push each other uh, personally, and professionally, um, and uh, give these kids uh, the best opportunities, the best platforms, and the best pathways that we possibly can. Brad, we, we've seen that soccer has really exploded uh, the last 10, 15, 20 years. Is, is St. Louis still the hotbed for talent soccer wise that it once was, or where do you think St. Louis? fits in that landscape i absolutely think it is um you know you can you can look right now you know uh players that uh played in the past overseas players that uh, played in the past in mls players that are currently playing in mls and players that are currently playing in in different european leagues uh, I mean, they've consistently put out uh, players that have gotten to the highest level, um, and it's because of, of what they've been able to do. It's because of the staff. It's because of the commitment, um, the structure, and the foundation, and the passion that's always been there in the St. Louis market, the support from um, – uh, you know, people of, of the past that laid that foundation, the supporters of the of the USL side and the, and the fans. I mean, there's just something about St. Louis when you go through go there. It's the family friendly soccer is uh, pulls on the heartstrings and is just at uh, every base layer um, of anybody that uh, that you talk about. So I for sure think it's um, still sitting there as a as a top hotbed. And in all honesty, in my opinion, the sky's the limit. Um, for this club with uh, with what it's got already. And as you mentioned, with uh, MLS coming into the market here um, in a year or two, that's just going to add another element in St. Louis that these kids haven't had 
And I, I think it's going to be a tremendous opportunity, and I, I, you know, I, I really look forward to it. Yeah, you mentioned MLS coming to St. Louis, and you offer a great perspective on this because you played and you were a top player. What do you think fans, whether you're a soccer fan or not, what can you expect from an MLS team being in your hometown? Um, it, it it is going to be something that uh, the fans are going to absolutely jump on. I mean, I've been asked this question. I, I would be absolutely shocked if uh, if uh, this team um, wasn't wasn't selling out and wasn't uh, revered and wasn't uh, loved, you know, from from the get go. This is uh, you. You've lived in, in St. Louis uh, for a while now. You've, you, you've seen, uh, you know, uh, MLS talks come there and, and, and go away. You know, um, now we have the, the, the USL team and now uh, finally that uh, MLS is is coming there. So uh, now it's up to the up to the, the city. You know, it's up to the community. Um, we know that uh, uh, the ownership group will, uh, will will start putting everything together, um, getting uh, uh, talent lined up and things like that. But for us now as a community um, of St. Louis and everybody that's been a part of it, we've been uh, kicking and screaming and asking for it for a long time. So this is really uh, our opportunity now to go show uh, to show that support and um, you know, kind of, kind of help put this uh, team on the back, our backs, and, and and really make it part of our community. One of the great players that's ever come out of St. Louis in soccer is Brad Davis. He's now with Gallagher, and he's going to run the the kids program, if you will, but also have a hand in STL uh, FC. And when you think about how soccer deals with the virus, are are you paying attention to what they're doing in Europe and some of the other leagues? And then. How do you try to make sure that you do that with the the safety of your players and the kids that want to play this summer? Yeah, so this is uh, some of the stuff that we're going through um, in all honesty right now, Dan. It's uh, it's a very um, you know touchy, sensitive subject. The last thing that we want to do is go um, you know out to the field and put anybody in any type of danger whatsoever. But we also understand that uh, parents and, and and kids need to get back to to regular life as soon as as soon as possible. So we're starting to see. Um, I guess some of the restrictions be a little bit uh, lenient, but that in my perspective is still more just uh, economy based. This isn't, um, you know, just go uh, put uh, uh, youth players out on the field. So um, these are all things we're analyzing. We're looking at um, right now, trying to get the, um, you know, state and local municipality um, rules and things like that. But uh, we absolutely want to get these kids back out on the field. Um, I believe it will happen sooner than later. Um, but until those uh, full processes are put into place and all the rules are, are laid out, because there's still some things that are a little gray, uh, the last thing we know for sure is go put kids out on the field and put them in any, any type of danger. But those conversations are going on right now, and I, I look to have uh, uh, players back out um, sooner than later. That's great news. You, you had the ultimate honor of, of representing uh, our country and playing for the national team, but yet the national team has struggled on, on the men's side. Brad, why do you think that that has been the case over the last, boy, I don't know, you know, 10, 20 years? Why do you, why do you think that is? Man, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's multifaceted. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, a little bit of it is, um, you know, uh, the, the leadership that uh, um, has, has been in there. Um, I think a little bit is the uh, structure from, um you know, uh, U.S. soccer from from the top from from the top down. I think we're in a very unique position right now um, in U.S. soccer, where we're almost starting from from a clean slate. And uh, as, as much as I uh, you, you hate to to see a country uh, like ours in this type of position, um, I think it it almost needed it. It needed a restart button. It needed a refresh button. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, Burr Halter is a guy that can come in, really create a culture, really create something that all the players buy into. 
Um, I think we went through a phase where it was, you know, we had certain coaches that, you know, um, brought certain players in over and over. And um, it was kind of the, the, the same thing over and over. I think we're now getting to a place where it's, you know, different players, younger players are getting different opportunities. They're rotating lineups, getting, getting guys in and kind of setting a standard rather than it being just the same group of guys over and over again um, coming in. So um, again, I, I hope, uh, I hope Greg is uh, the right guy um, for the job, but really it's just a, a culture and a standard needs to be set and, um, I think uh, he's he's uh, he's started that that process and and hopefully it'll be a uh, positive thing moving forward to the future. But I also look at uh, the youth side of the game um, now with uh, uh, you seeing the the DA um, now folding and going into different um, leagues and in uh, different structures. It kind of sent a panic through the youth soccer world. So really being able to uh, get that um, out in the open and uh, try and really create. Um, and kind of, like I said, reset uh, the youth uh, landscape is an opportunity that's sitting here right in front of us. And I think some of the moves and some of the uh, decisions that have been made, I think we're going definitely um, in the right direction. Now it's it really it's, it's up to us, you know, the leaders, the youth programs, the clubs and things like that is to continue to push, continue to make it better and continue to set standards and cultures within that we can move our players on to the next level. And when they get there, they're going to be prepared for it. My final question for you, Brad Davis, my guest, one of the great soccer players to come out of St. Louis, now running Gallagher. Um, what would it mean to you to see a kid 10 or 15 years down the line who you helped and your coaches helped all of a sudden represent the national team or play uh, down Market Street for an MLS team here in St. Louis? Have you, have you thought about that and what that would mean to you personally? Uh, I have not uh, thought about that yet to this point, but you just asked the question and gave me chills. Um, so, Good. I'm glad. Um, yeah, so no, it's, it's exciting. I mean, I, I, w- I was blessed. I was fortunate. I had so much uh, support to be in uh, and help to get to, to, to get me through, um, uh, my career the way I did. So now we've moved on. This is not, uh, you know, about, uh, uh, me or anything like that. This is now about our next, our next generation. Like I said, I've been fortunate enough to have, um, some special moments and it would mean, uh, the world for me to be able to pass this, you know, some of these knowledge, uh, some of the knowledge, some of these experiences is down. And, and, you know, that's what I'm really beginning to, uh, find myself, um, passionate about. Uh, so these, uh, these kids now are going to get the opportunities that, you know, we didn't even have when we were younger growing up and now they're going to be growing up with a professional team players and all these things to, to look up for. So again, the platform is now there. This, uh, process is, is, is smoother, is streamlined. Um, as we can with, you know, with, with the knowledge that I've been able to gain with the opportunities that I've had to be able to bring these to these kids to prepare them sooner rather than later, because now they're going to have the opportunity to go and, and look up to some players and have the opportunity and the full pathway to be able to stay, you know, if they're in their hometown, if they want to, to go from the youth game all the way up to the professional ranks, if that's something that they want to do. Well, I know a lot of folks look up to you here in St. Louis, privileged to have the chance to visit with you. Congratulations on the job and best of luck with Galgar. I know you're going to knock it out of the park. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Coming up, we head to the Air Comfort Service text line. Text us a message, comment 65780. Brad Davis brought to you on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Rhino Shield mic drop as well. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN.
Reminder, we have This Week in Hockey with Chris Kerber, Joey Vitale, Alex Ferrario. That's tonight at 6 on 101 ESPN. We were just talking a little soccer with Brad Davis. MLS, by the way, exploring options for potentially resuming their season amid the uh, pandemic, bringing all 26 teams to Orlando to play at Disney's Sports Complex. And that news uh, this morning. We're going to get to some mic drops and also some text messages, and we start with Ed. He's supposed to stand up for a... Danny Mack, COVID-19 virus has caused quite a strain on enterprise rental cars. Have you heard anything how it's going to affect uh, the new soccer state team and the stadium? Stadium is still under construction. That that has not stopped. So if you drive down through uh, uh, the city and you're on Highway 40, you take a glance over, uh, you're going to see it. You're going to see the construction that's going up 2022. They hope to have uh, play, and uh, everything is still on schedule in that regard. Business side of things has slowed down a little bit because of the pandemic, but in terms of the construction of the stadium, uh, all systems go. Let's uh, hear from Mark Teixeira. Mark Teixeira was just on Get Up on ESPN. Now, Mark Teixeira is a guy that signed eight years, $180 million with the Yankees, and he is a ESPN baseball analyst now and he was talked about what players maybe should look forward to in 2020. He's supposed to stand up for us and our salaries. That being said, this is unprecedented in the history of the Major League Baseball Players Association. And every other year, I would stand together and say, the owners aren't going to do this to us and we're going to get paid our full fare. If I'm going to put myself out there, I'm going to get paid a full day's wage. The problem is, is that you have people all over the world taking pay cuts losing their jobs, losing their lives, frontline workers putting their lives at risk. These are unprecedented times, and this is the one time that I would advocate for the players accepting a deal like this. A 50-50 split of revenues is not that crazy. If you really think about it and boil it down to what the players usually get from a revenue standpoint, it's actually lower than 50% of the baseball revenue for a full season. So if I'm a player, I don't like it, but I'm going to go do whatever I have to do to play, and that means taking this deal. Optics. Optics if you don't play. So, again, if you feel comfortable enough to go out, play, perform, you feel that the safety uh, precautions that have been given to you by MLB are good enough, but you don't play because of the money, optics, man. Looks really bad. By the way, Trevor Rosenthal, the former Cardinals closer, has tweeted this morning, and he's now with the Kansas City Royals, we have an opportunity to set an example on how to go back to work safely. We want to take that responsibility seriously. You're going to see great length of adjustment and sacrifice made by players. When play resumes, it's not going to be easy or comfortable. First of all, I love what he said. Secondly, I love the fact that he says when play resumes, not if, but when Love that. Danny Mac on the, let's see. Yeah, this one. I like this because this is, it's moving on me, Colin. It's all good. 573 on the Air Comfort Service text line. Danny Mac, love the show. Have you given any thought to what a Cardinal lineup would look like with a designated hitter? Yeah, I have. Let's let's go through my lineup here. I'd have Colton Wong, um, second baseman. This is my lineup. Tommy Edmond at third base. Notice he's at third base starting. Paul Goldschmidt would be my first baseman batting third. My cleanup man would be Paul DeYoung. He had a fabulous spring. He's my cleanup man, the shortstop. My DH, at least initially, is Matt Carpenter. i got to put Carpenter as the designated hitter. I'd give Tyler O'Neill the start, at least initially, in left field. 
Dexter Fowler, money, where he's at in his career, is going to get a chance. He starts in right field, Bader in center, and then Jack Flaherty starts every single day of the season. Why not? Sounds about right. It's going to be a different season, right, Colin? I mean... Why not, right? Well, we'll just go Tampa Bay Rays style. Send Jack <laughs> Flaherty out there for the first three innings every day. I bet there's going to be some teams that do that because it's a piggyback style system. And they were doing that with a quote-unquote normal season and had success with that. Sergio Romo, you know, he used to flip slider after slider. He actually made some starts for them and did that a year ago. And they would have him go through the top of the lineup and then bring in somebody else and piggyback all the way through. It's interesting. I mean, I you know, when you look at what's going to happen with pitching, and it's going to be tough for pitchers to be ready to go day one, and I'm being positive that we're going to have baseball in early July, you're going to have these guys go three innings, four innings max, maybe five totally max, at least initially. And so it's kind of like spring training. You piggyback. You say, okay, this is uh, Adam Wainwright. He's starting today against the Mets. He's going to go three innings or get to 40 pitches, one or the other. And then at that point, it's Daniel Ponce de Leon. It's Austin Gomber. What we haven't done is talked about the role of Alex Reyes. So is Alex Reyes back in the starter's role or a quote-unquote long reliever? I mean, that's something to think about, too. And that's where, and Randy was talking about this earlier, and I've been saying it since day one, when, not if, when they play baseball, the Cardinals are in a better position than most teams. Their pitching is as good as anybody's uh, in in the game, and we saw that. There was going to be guys that were pissed that they had to go down to the minor leagues because they would have been starters on a lot of other teams. They would have been bullpen guys with other teams. Junior Fernandez, great example. Where was Genesis Cabrera? I guarantee you he would have been on other teams, and he still might be on the Cardinals. Who knows? But on a quote-unquote normal season, now he definitely is going to be there. There's no question about it. The organizational depth is outstanding for the Cardinals. And maybe a knock on the Cardinals from some people in the past is that, look, they don't have so many superstar, really high-end players. But look at how many great players that can be solid for you that they have down the line. Those guys are going to come in very handy this year. A Tommy Edmond from last year, someone that they're going to need contributors like that that come out of nowhere, especially during a season like this. One is obvious, Dylan Carlson, who will now be a part of this unquestionably. And the other one is Edmundo Sosa. So we're not talking about a 40-man roster. We're talking about taking guys and having your taxi squad, you know, your, your top 50. So at least you're still developing your top prospects, even if they don't play in a major league game. And I say developing, meaning that they're working with the coaching staff. They're, they're in uniform, taking BP, whatever that looks like. But they're around a major league team. 314, Danny Mack, does St. Louis have a name for the soccer team? No, they don't. Nor colors, I believe, because through this pandemic, they feel that they don't want to take attention away from what is really important in society. So they're going to hold off on that. Uh, 618, Danny Mac loved the show. How are they going to regulate social distancing in the dugout with so many extra players on the Major League Baseball roster? Something they're doing in the KBO is that you'll see guys that are wearing the uh, face mask. First base coach, third base coach, the manager, the umpires. And yes, there is risk. If you want to call it that, they're going to have a little risk and they're going to be inside clubhouses, but they're going to try to take every possible precaution to make sure that guys are safe. Uh, From the 636, Danny, Danny, Danny. Love the show, love your opinions, but O'Neal and Bader, really? No, no, no. Okay, I'm just throwing it out initially. I think that's what you give, at least initially, and I'm going to make a counterpoint to this, too. At least initially, that's what I think you'd go with. In a 
quote unquote, under normal season, that would have been, I think, the direction they went. And then given a leash to Fowler, Bader, Lane Thomas, and Matt Carpenter. Now, your mindset may change. If you have an 82-game regular season, which is what we're hearing, uh, it's a race to the finish. Because I've always looked at the first month or two as a way for even veterans like a Dexter Fowler or Matt Carpenter or others. You kind of ease your way into the season. Numbers may not look great, but it's the marathon that we always talk about. And you get into a rhythm, and all of a sudden you have a couple of good weeks. And then you look up at the end of the year, and it's the numbers that you normally have on the back of your baseball card. However, to your point, and it is a good one, 82-game regular season, maybe i got to go with the, the eight best in my lineup. In my mind, after watching spring training, Dylan Carlson would have been one of them. Now, that's spring training. You don't always trust what you see in spring training or in September with rosters expanded. However, it is something to think about going forward. And if you do start with what I'm saying with the lineup I gave you, which is off the top of my head, um, that leash is a lot shorter than it would normally be. Because if you have a bad 30 days, you only got 50 games to make it up. And that's not enough time sometimes in baseball. It was interesting. Um, they, they showed... On ESPN last night, they they showed the wildcard teams that had won the World Series. And a lot of times, wildcard teams, they get hot. They get on a roll. That's how they get into postseason play. And then it carries over into the playoffs. And they said, what this is what they looked like through 82 games. They all were about 500 teams at that time. And then they got hot at the end. So it is something to think about. Uh, let's see. I know I got to wrap it up. Give me a break, Colin. <laughs> 636. How will players with underlying health conditions feel about playing? I thought about that because you have... Jordan Hicks, who's a diabetic. And so that's something to think about uh, going forward. And I I do think about it for sure. And it's, again, it's a risk that a player maybe potentially has to take. So 314, which reason, uh, region, west, central, east, would be the easiest path to postseason play? So, again, you got three divisions of 10 geographically aligned. Uh, this is from the 314. Dan loved the show. Thank you. Um, Central region, just off the top of my head, I think the team to beat maybe would be Minnesota. Minnesota is going to be really good. Lineup that's got Nelson Cruz, Josh Donaldson, you got with uh, Miguel Sano, Max Kepler, Byron Buxton. Pretty good pitching. Pretty good team. I like the Cardinals, too, because of their pitching. Cross it over with Rivs and BK coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. You know, Colin's giving me trouble because I was going too long on the text messages, and then you come rolling in, and you start giving me trouble, too. I don't need to take that, what? and I'm not going to take it. Danny, I'm telling you what, I was worried about you for a bit because you you didn't come up for air for an awful long time, and I, I was, was rolling, worried that we're going to come in here and perform CPR for you. <laughs> Thank you. Ribs and BK, this is the crossover. They've, uh, they've got you from 11 till 2 here on 101 ESPN. So a lot of news with baseball as it pertains to... To being a former athlete and the social responsibility that maybe you play in the country coming back. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, I was listening to the beginning of your show, both of you guys chit-chatting about, you know, who gets made out to be the bad guy, who could potentially be the bad guy in all this. And I worry. I worry because it's not as simple as just go back and play, guys. Just go back and play. If it's only pertaining to this season... 
I think that they can get through it by just going back and play and be safe and healthy. Like you got to put an asterisk beside it every time. No question. I, well, hey, if a, if a player doesn't want to come back and play because they are uncomfortable with whatever safety measures are presented to them, I get it. No problem. That's your personal opinion. No one's holding a gun to your head and making you go play. That's fine. But if you do feel comfortable with it and you're all right with the stipulations of what you're going to get with testing and and how they're going to handle if somebody pops with the virus, whatever, you feel comfortable um, and you're you're not going to do it because of money just this year. I'm not talking about next year. I'm just talking about right now. Yeah. I got a problem with that. I agree. Okay. I do. I really do. I agree. Uh, And like you said, this year. This year, this year's unique. Okay, so if they and want I'm to do the player, man, if they want to do the split and the revenue and anything, they got to do so both sides don't go bankrupt here. And I'm not—I know it's millionaires and billionaires. A text line will just a, just abominate me here for that. But so both sides are happy financially. Get through this year. Yeah, just get through. That, it. That's my point. Just get through this year yeah. and then go back and get your money. And, and I'm okay with. And you're by the way, you're still going to get a lot of money this year potentially. Yeah, that's not what you're thinking, but still. Just the big picture, man, it could mean so much for just having sports and something positive for everybody in our lives. I, re- I really believe that. Yeah. Well, BK is our math guy. So, BK, um, if they get anything greater than zero, is that good? Uh, greater than zero. Carry the one over. The t- yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I that's, that's good. There we go. That's good. BK, what are you working on for the show? So, coming up at 1130, we've got Jim Leland, former Major League oh, Baseball yeah. manager. I want to talk awesome. with him about the designated hitter. What would that mean potentially for the National League? Also, he was the guy that said the most difficult player to coach is the aging superstar. How would you feel about coaching Yadier Molina right now, who says that he wants to continue playing? So we'll talk with him about that. Chris Chelios, former Detroit Red Wing, 26-year NHL veteran, going to join us coming up at noon. And uh, our guy Jeremy Rutherford at 1 o'clock. You know, Jim Leland, uh, wasn't he the manager of the last Team USA World Baseball yep. Classic? Yep. Yeah, we'll that got canceled. That well. uh, Can't I, get anything past you, eh, Danny Mac? Well, I'm just thinking about it. Well, Jim was in our... Uh, offices all the time because he was so close with Tony La Russa. And so I got, and when he kind of quote unquote retired and then he came mm-hmm. back, but in that, that time frame, he was always in the offices. And so I was always down there early and he's just, he's awesome, man. He's old school. You're going to like him. Good. I like he's him. amazing. Ribs BK coming up. This is 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.